Greetings, precious kinklings. You're listening to K is for Kinky, and we're your friendly neighborhood kinksters. Jen. And Eden. We are going to be talking about a really cool question that we got submitted by a listener. This question is all about... When a scene goes wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Is that what it was? Wasn't that it? That was it. I I was going to add, but I think that your dun, dun, dun actually really cemented it. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Hi, Miss Jen. How are you doing this fine winter season? (laughs) winter season i have to tell you how i'm doing for the entire season um okay well obviously for this month and i obviously mean december and i obviously mean the holiday season so just like I whatever i was hoping you meant just like right now this today because i don't remember is our last chance to talk about the yeah. holidays Do you want to like share any holiday <laughs> thoughts or festive lights the snow that doesn't fall here uh, yeah we're getting we're we're in the middle of rain season which is like the week that it rains that is our rain season <laughs> The whole rain season lasts for one week, and it's the most we get in terms of winter. Yeah, yeah it is It is gray outside, and it's raining, and, well, when we're recording. I don't know what it'll be when this comes out. Maybe it'll be happy, shiny. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think so far holidays are going well. Um, there's been lots of food and festivities uh we celebrated our anniversary six years we went on a little trippy trip well not really a trip i don't know we went on a little day trip one day and then we did a little other thing another day and any version of the word trip that you know of (laughs) that happened wait what (laughs) oh man anyway so we celebrated our anniversary because love with you is a trip (laughs) your brain is a trip (laughs) <laughs> thank you i take that as a hundred percent compliment i knew you would yeah um and i'm looking around at our house and there's stockings and a little baby tree and presents there's and also lights. baby stockings i doubled stockings this we have yeah. so many stockings in the house and They're the cats like little have stockings. itty bitty ones yeah the cats, the cats, cats do have stockings that have the letter F and the letter E on them, so we always know it's theirs. Honestly, their stockings are classier than ours. Like they're like, cla- like um, I- excuse me, my stocking is the classiest stocking. Also, it was very expensive, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. So here, let it's me tell purple. you. Let me tell you the story. Yeah, with it's silver pur- snowflakes. Miss Jen's it's very pretty favorite color is purple. Shocking. And <laughs> I was like, well, I'm very into decorating, and I want her to have a purple stocking, and I didn't want to tell her what I did to get the stocking until after it was done so that she couldn't stop me. But one year I did look for purple stockings everywhere and they were nowhere except one place. And that was Michael's. And if you're familiar with Michael's, you know that they just upcharge everything to the point of it being like egregiously wrong. Um, This stocking was way too much, but damn, it's handsome. It's cute. And she acted like, oh, it's it's fine. She acted like, I guess I like it. But now years later, she's like, I love my fancy stocking. So I guess it was a good gift. Well, mine's pretty fancy, but it was way cheaper. My God, because red is a way more common color for stockings, apparently. So like basic. Okay. Well, now that we've (laughs) devolved into insulting each other and competing over our stockings. The house is very festive. Um, You filled my stocking with good stuff, right? 
Santa Jen filled in there. I hope there's something. I hope it's great stuff because yeah, I want I want the world in my stocking. I don't remember what's in there, so hopefully it's good. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm counting on you. You're you're Santa Jen. But yeah, I mean, I think so far the holidays are going well, and as we record this, we have not yet had um, Yule or Christmas. We'll have our own little celebration for Yule, and then we're celebrating with some peeps. Christmas Eve, which is the day after Club Awakening on Saturday. You're all going to be there, right? All of of you. All listeners. Even those in other countries. You're all flying out (laughs) to Club Awakening, right? No, no, no. We know it's... it's, uh, That's too much to ask. We'll go over to Joe Biden's house on Monday for Christmas with the kids. For those of you who don't know, or this is your first episode that you're listening to, we call so confusing. We call Miss Jen's mom Joe Biden as a code, but uh, it's not much of a code because she knows we call her that, and we announce it every time we talk about it. On the it just became podcast. an inside joke. So if you listen from the beginning, then it'll make sense. It just does make sense now. I just well, let them you in. explained it now, but I'm just saying. I let it'll them make into more the joke. sense. I am looking forward to your lasagna. Miss um, Jen makes the most amazing lasagna, and somehow I have managed to get not one, not two, but three lasagnas out of her this year. And I fully intend for one of them to be just mine. No. Yes. <laughs> no. I know which one it's going to be, too. No. I'm taking no, one. No, you don't. I'm serving. I'm So I'm making two traditional ones that you have had and are used to. One of which is for me. No. Yes. I'm making two traditional ones and one chicken alfredo lasagna. I am serving one traditional and the chicken for Christmas Eve. And then we're taking the other traditional to my mom's on Christmas Day. Counter offer you serve the chicken on christmas eve and i keep the regular and i take it into the bedroom and i eat it in little bits and pieces while people are out here eating other ones that's way too much lasagna i will be the judge of that i'm sure there'll be leftovers from somewhere and it'll be fine i just am worried that there won't be enough lasagna for me between those three lasagnas i don't know (laughs) so we have a listener question which is, um, and by the way, we're going to keep it anonymous just because we did not get explicit consent to say their name. So here is the sitch. I did a scene with a friend who I hadn't played with in a long time, and I just couldn't get into the headspace where I was enjoying things. I stopped the scene and let them know that I wasn't feeling it. Uh, We did some aftercare and I left. How do you handle scenes that just don't go the way you want? How do you deal with the guilty feelings around that? I'm proud of myself for not continuing when I knew I wasn't feeling it, but the feelings are still there. Um, So, you know, this is something a lot of times people will talk about scenes that go wrong in terms of like an injury happens or, uh, you know, um, I don't know, whoops, I accidentally cut you with the knife and I wasn't supposed to or like whatever, right? Um, or like somebody interrupted us and was rude and douchey. Yeah. Or this, another one that's more commonly discussed is if a trigger happens. Like we, or prepare, a trigger. Yeah, yeah. we prepare ourselves for injury and trigger. Yeah. So we talk about those things a lot. But this is more to do with what happens when you're just not feeling it. You're just not in the right headspace. Um, maybe it's maybe it was a bad mental health day and, you know, you're going in thinking that it'll be fine and then it's not. Um, or maybe you're just not feeling the energy of the scene, right? Nobody's fault. Nobody's made any mistakes. Um, this is kind of what we're talking about today. So it's a little bit different. I think this is a great question to be asking because it's something that has to do with more nuance in scenes and also in negotiation. And I also wanted to share, just to tack on to this, 
a different question that I got from a listener that was in person. But similarly, the question was, how do I deal with not feeling comfortable after a negotiation? Like thinking I want to play with somebody, getting into the conversation, starting the negotiation, and then halfway through realizing, oh, we're not compatible. How do I handle that? without like it being horrible basically and I feel like that question and this one are interrelated because they're two steps or two pieces uh, and two two <laughs> fuck me <laughs> um I think they're interrelated because both of them deal with feeling uncomfortable after you've started the thing to a degree right like Many people feel like once they've started a negotiation, they are compelled to finish it and also compelled to then follow through with a scene, if only to avoid being quote unquote impolite or having to navigate discomfort. And similarly, many people might feel like once they're in a scene, especially if they're the top, they have an obligation to finish that scene, even if they are not comfortable. And um, we can now talk about our feelings on that matter. Um, So I guess I want to start with, because I know we have some examples we're going to talk about, but I kind of just wanted to start with the general opinion, oh mine, that... Opinion, oh mine. (laughs) Which I think a lot of people hopefully hold, which is that even if you are in the middle of a negotiation, even if you are in the middle of a scene... Either person, people, however many people are involved, anyone can stop at any time. Um, You know, consent is reversible. And even if you're in the middle of the negotiation, it can sometimes feel bad. Like, I'm not going to say it's just like easy peasy. Just be like, "Um, I'm going to peace out of this now. You've made me uncomfortable. Um, Not that they maybe have, but it's... It can be difficult hearing rejection, giving rejection. Those are things that are are difficult for people. But I just want to say that anyone is allowed at any time to revoke their consent for any reason. And so ultimately, no is a complete sentence. You don't have to come up with an excuse. It could just be that you're a mismatch or you're uncomfortable or whatever. Being direct about it is also important. So not saying like, you know, oh, you know what, I am going to come up with an excuse that my stomach just started to hurt. uh, And I'm also going to say like, maybe we can just try again another time when I know that's not actually what I want to do. Because that gives a person sort of a false sense of hope and also just false information um, rather than saying, you know, I actually am realizing that you know, we're not a good match here, possibly. And even though we've spent some time negotiating, um, you know, I think I I just don't think we're a good match. And that's okay. Um, But I I feel like I'm I'm ready to end the negotiation or whatever, you know, it's okay. Like, I basically just want to start with giving people permission, it is okay to revoke that consent at any time. And it's better to be direct than to kind of beat around the bush and make somebody think that it might happen in the future if you know it's not. Yeah, I think the other piece I want to add into this that is attached to what Ms. Jen just spoke about is the genuine difficulty many of us do have in saying no to somebody. I think there's this thought in our minds that like it's mean or it becomes personal 
once the negotiation starts and you realize in that negotiation as you learn more, you don't want to continue. And yes, it is personal in the sense of you are listening to this person, what they want to do, what they bring to the table, and you're finding out, no, this really isn't for me, right? But the thing is, should we really be approaching other people with an assumption that they want to do things with us without information about us? Like, shouldn't we all have a healthy assumption that at any point in time, the other person may not want to engage anymore? I think there's something wrong in the way that we interact with each other when we approach and we have an assumption that automatically somebody will say yes to us simply because they said yes once. And what I mean by that is this. Someone might say yes to negotiating with you, and that doesn't we shouldn't assume that also means yes after the negotiation play will result. I think it's just that often play does result after negotiation. So we start to get comfortable. We start to get maybe overly confident, and I want to kind of put that on all of us individually to never assume that a negotiation will automatically lead to play. We should actually be assuming that we are assessing each other in negotiation. Um, The piece of advice I have for the negotiation piece is to frame the negotiation from the beginning as an investigation into each other, not like investigation, but like, hey, I'm investigating you. I'm learning about you. I'm curious about you. I want to know what you're into. And only after understanding you, then we'll decide if we want to play together, both of us together. Like, I'll make a decision and you'll make a decision. If it's the same decision, we'll do that thing, right? I've had a personal experience with this where I got into a negotiation and I realized, shit, I am not 100% sure that I'm comfortable. And in my case, I chose to try to do the scene anyways. It led to a scene not going well, which I'll speak about in a little bit. But I wish, looking back with the knowledge I have now, that I had just said off the bat, you know what? I'm a, I'm uncomfortable with the, this right now and I'm not ready to do this. And I think, I think like Michelle said, I think we're a bad match. But I didn't, I remember in that moment that feeling of getting kind of stuck in my chest of like, I don't know for sure that I don't want to do it. I don't know for sure because I've never done that before. So I guess I'm going to try as opposed to acknowledging the validity of me not being confident or comfortable with something. And I think some of that has to do with boundary setting, which I'm working on for myself, but which I also want to give as a tool for all of you listening. It's important to learn how to set our own boundaries. And I know that for me, one of the things that stops me from setting boundaries sometimes is the fear of letting another person down or making them feel bad. And it's way worse if you end up getting into a situation that you really don't want to be in or something ends up feeling bad in a situation. It's even harder at that point to de-escalate. So my advice to you would be in negotiation to frame from the beginning, hey, I'm interested in talking with you and hearing uh, about how, what you like to do and negotiating potentially. Let's see if we're a good match and, and we'll talk a little bit and find out. Because right off the bat now, the expectation is, oh, we're vetting each other. This is not certain. We are both investigating each other as potential playmates, and we don't know what the outcome is. And that way, it's already pre-set up by the structure of what you said that you may decide not to play. Well, and I think, you know, besides the not wanting to disappoint the other person or not wanting to be the rejecter, um, I think it's also resolving the disappointment in ourselves right because let's you know in a lot of situations you're like 
ooh, I'm interested in playing with this person. Hence, we're setting up a negotiation. And then in the negotiation, you realize, oh, we might not be a match. That's It's not only about I feel bad having to say that to the other person. It's also a, oh, I was really excited. I thought we'd have a good time playing. And now I'm realizing that it may not be good or I'm not comfortable. And that's a bummer for me too. Yeah. So it's kind of holding both of those things at the same time. Keep in mind that saying you're not a good match or that you are not comfortable continuing is not really actually a direct rejection of a person. It's an acknowledgement of your own boundaries and capacity. Reframing it as I'm not rejecting this person. I'm saying that I don't want to continue with this new knowledge. Um, that helps. I don't want to play and therefore I no longer want to be friends. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and again, similarly, if you receive a... a something like this if you are on the recipient end where you get into negotiation and you're interested but the other person no longer is yes that does feel like rejection but remember what's really going on is a person saying this is my boundary and this is my capacity now they're being a dick and they're like well fuck you you're gross i mean that's personal but like normally people aren't dicks they just they take rejection well people like i've been on the receiving end of this where i've politely said i'm not interested and the person comes back with like yucky stuff well you're a butt then and i don't like you sure something like that exactly that's what happened right i got you're it right but you're a butt it was when i was five no <laughs> no but it's and i'm sure many people listening will know exactly what i'm talking about because it's more common than i'd like to think but yeah if somebody says they're not interested like i know it can be a bummer and it can hurt and It can be a disappointment and it's hard not to take it personally. But again, we're talking about something to do with the other person, not who you are. Um, There's a separation there. You want to be the people who are enthusiastically and very excitedly wanting to be with you, wanting to do this activity with you. And if they are telling you, I don't have capacity, I don't have interest, or this doesn't really match up for me, you are in the clear you did what you set out to do because you are not going to play with somebody who doesn't want to enthusiastically play with you and that's good we don't want to have scenes with other people where one or both of us are uncomfortable or unhappy and that that is what negotiation is for so it's okay when somebody says they're not for you because it means they're not for you and that way you are not wasting your time on that person Let's move on, though, to the actual question, which is (laughs) you do the negotiation. You have decided to move forward. Everything seems to be in the clear. And then, oh, no, something is off in the scene. Let's talk about that. Well, and again, this question has to do with less about what we normally discuss in terms of things going wrong or triggers happening and more to do with headspace, energy, that kind of thing. Um, And kind of, you know, calling that scene and trying not to feel bad about it um I will say from a tops perspective if I have a bottom that I'm playing with and they are not feeling it or they're feeling really bad or their headspace is somewhere else um I would much prefer they let me know and we just you know do what this listener talked about which is have some aftercare and you know, obviously follow up and continue to talk about it. But I'd rather, much rather that than if I find out later that they were experiencing that and just like, quote unquote, pushed through to finish the scene. 
that does not feel good to me. Like as much as it would be a bummer that maybe a scene ends early, that other option feels really bad. So yeah, thinking um, about it in that sense. Definitely. This is one of those times where I, I really almost forcibly relate having to deal with scenes and discomfort with also honestly like sexual interactions that you think you want and you're starting to start and it doesn't feel good anymore and you need to stop right um and, and I don't want to go too heavy on that because I don't want this this episode to be triggering for anybody but I will say that like it's a similar type of vibe for me at least of of needing to be able to stop even with a partner I trust because something doesn't feel right because I've experienced and I know what it feels like both in scenes and in other situations when something doesn't feel good and you're still experiencing it anyways. And, and headspace is major. I think the first thing to acknowledge is that our headspace at any given time could be incompatible with play. I have not met a top yet who does not experience some form of performance anxiety, nor have I met a bottom who doesn't have some sort of nerves going into a scene, especially if it's a new play partner. Okay. Or a new play person, because I to me a play partner is somebody that you have agreed to have kind of a partnership with, and you play with them more frequently, and that's how I use the term. But I think colloquially, a lot of people call any person they're playing with their play partner. So I think that the performance anxiety for me comes from the expectation that I as the top, because I I get the heaviest performance anxiety as a top. As a bottom, I'm more so I'm like I hope I can tall I hope I can handle the pain today. I wonder where my pain tolerance is. I won't really know until I start you know playing, like. As the bottom, my biggest concerns are mostly like, can I get out of my head and be in my body? Can I, you know, have a good energetic connection with my play partner today? Where is my, where are my emotions at? Am I emotionally in a place where I can be present in the scene, right? But as a bottom, for me, I get a lot of comfort from bottoming and it can be easier for me to bottom than to top because I don't have to think. I don't have to make decisions. I don't have to lead. I can just be present and receive and focus on the other person and that for me it's a task I have to have a certain like headspace to do that and to do that healthily but that's not as challenging for me sometimes as leading a scene is and I think there's a lot of pressure on tops and I want to speak about this a little bit from the top side um as tops we put pressure on ourselves to provide a great experience for the bottom I put pressure on myself for that. I put pressure on myself sometimes to make sure the scene is long enough, that what I'm doing is good enough. As a new top with fewer tools, I really only use my hands. I don't use a lot of implements because I I don't want to until I've mastered my body as an implement, right? I've talked about that before, but there are a lot of fears about not doing a good job as a top. And I found that I do best in scenes with people where I develop a relationship with them outside of the scene where we're people before we are top and bottom where the expectation is set from the beginning that we're going to go ahead and see if a scene works out tonight we're going to see how our energies are tonight we're going to play around and find out what this scene is going to look like together that's how I approach scenes and I find that I have excellent scenes with bottoms who not only are present with me but who know hey my top may be a little nervous or, hey, my top um, is going to try some things out or my top is learning. I, I don't place the expectation on myself to be a perfect top or a the most domly dom top. I actually place the expectation that we're allowed to giggle in scenes. We're allowed to have moments where – Where do you get that from? 
thanks got it from you <laughs> but I, scenes are supposed to be fun and so I approach them I try to approach them from a stance of having fun and I I encourage bottoms to let me know how they feel so every scene I've ever done I check in with the bottom not just the day of usually but usually before to say how are your how's your headspace today and I've had times where I've met up with my bottom and they're like I'm not feeling it today and instead of being upset or anything we're like what can we do together can we sit and talk together? Do you want to like cuddle? Do you want, do you want a hand massage? Like, do you just want to be on your own? Do you want to go get dinner? Like we find something to do that's connective and we take the pressure off of the actual action of the scene. You just reminded me of a time when my partner at the time came to meet me at the dungeon where we were supposed to play. And I, as the top had a specific scene in mind or not a specific scene, but a specific type of scene, a specific energy, um, which was more like heavier handed, more sadistic. And, you know, we sat down beforehand just to, again, do that quick check in. I think that's really important because she had come from a horrible day at work and was like, I don't know, like if I can be in that type of energy tonight like I still want to play and this is where I wanted to point this out that sometimes it's just a shift in the type of scene you might do and not not play all together um but to say you know is there a way that we could do a scene that is more you know gentle or lighter or whatever it was I can't remember now but um that could be another way to handle it as well. Yeah. So like checking in at the beginning and being flexible and letting the person you're playing with know and setting the expectation for the person you're playing with that you might need to not do the scene or change the energy on the day of, that type of preset expectation can help you avoid getting into a scene that does not feel good. It can also empower you to stop a scene if you have a partner that you trust who is there to support you and wants what's best for you and there's not that pressure. So I have a play partner who I adore, who we have stopped in mid-scene before. We have stopped right as the scene is starting and went, you know what, it's just not going to go. And not only was there no consequence, but there was, you know, hey, I'm so grateful that you didn't do something you didn't want to do. I feel safe with that play partner. That's why they're my play partner. And we only play when we both feel good and it's going to end well. And that for me is like a necessity with a play partner. Um, but what do you do when you're just playing with someone for the first time? You don't have a play partnership established. You maybe know each other decently well, but like not in this context and it's not going well. I've had this happen before and it was really uncomfortable and, and it was a learning experience for me um, to be in the topping position and to not feel confident or comfortable with the way the scene was going. Um, and I have a policy for myself as a top, which is that I am not putting my hands on a person unless I am confident and focused entirely on them. If I am distracted or if I become distracted, I am stopping and I am waiting until I can get focused on them again or I am just stopping the scene. Um, that's always been a rule for me as a top because to me, if I'm putting my hands on somebody, they get my undivided attention and I am certain about the actions I'm taking. I'm not wavering on my actions and I'm not coming from a place of insecurity. I'm not trying things out without consent that I don't know how to do well. And if I am distracted, anxious, or focused too much on myself and too in my own head, to me, that means I'm not there with them. I'm there with them physically, but mentally I'm focused on myself. And at that point, I'm not being a safe top and I stop the scene. That is my own boundary that I follow. And that's what happened in this scene. I was distracted heavily 
by certain things going on, our energy was not matching up well on my end. I was uncomfortable and struggling. And I knew very shortly after starting, this is not feeling good to me. And I'm distracted in my head because of the way the scene is going. And at that point, I had to make a decision. Do I keep pushing to try to finish the scene so that they have a good experience, knowing that I'm unhappy and uncomfortable and struggling? (laughs) Or do I stop because of my rule? And I ended up stopping the scene pretty early and going into aftercare. And I made sure the aftercare was as long as it could be. And I checked in and did all of those things. But it was a learning experience for me. And it was challenging. And I felt really bad. As a top, I felt bad having to stop the scene early. And um, I had to process that for a while afterwards. And I, my, my self-esteem as a top dipped a lot during during this situation. Um, but, you know, when, my, when I knew my partner was well, when the check-in went well and things like that, I assessed it differently and I realized that was my first encounter as a top basically calling a scene. I learned from that experience that sometimes we have very different perceptions during scenes. The bottom may be having a great time while the top is not. The top may be having a great time when the bottom is not. And if that is the case, that means that you are not energetically matched up. So whether you are a top or a bottom in a scene, I think it's important to acknowledge and to hold space for the fact that, yeah, it's really uncomfortable having to stop. It's really uncomfortable having to do a call. And depending on what position you're in, the responsibility may be different on how to navigate the de-escalation of that scene and the potential drop in the aftercare needed as a result of having to stop suddenly. Well, and you've just brought up an example of a first-time scene with somebody. Yeah. And the listener brought up a, um, not a first-time scene, but it had been a long time since they had played played before so there's kind of that extra anticipation or pressure but I also wanted to bring up you know our our example recently of a scene that even between us two people who have been together for well now six years officially um, and have you know played together that whole time um, you know that even in a long-term play partnership there can still be those moments and those scenes where you have to call it um, because of headspace. And we had that happen fairly recently. Uh, Yeah. Our last scene together um, was really rough and it was not really anybody's fault. I was emotionally really kind of just wrecked going in and only because of the her, I would not have played with anybody but my dominant in that type of head space because I trust her to that point Wait, where I you know you were emotionally wrecked because of me no <laughs> say that word again <laughs> I okay you were individually emotionally wrecked but I I went into the scene and I was already emotionally wrecked we only really schedule to play once a month and it's also really rare for us to play in public spaces or just in a dungeon even privately it's just rare and so this was an opportunity that I really didn't want to miss out on. Um, and I, I I would not have agreed to do this with anybody else considering how emotionally wrecked I was due to the life circumstances. But because Miss Chen is my partner and my dominant and I've known her for so long, I knew that I could trust her, that we could go into a scene and stop at any time without either one of us getting our feelings hurt. You know, so I knew it was safe to say stop. Um so we tried it you know and I told her off the bat I'm really not doing well I'm really worried I don't know if I can handle this and I don't know what my pain tolerance is like you can make the decision if we play but I need you to hear that I'm not I'm not aces tonight right 
And she made that call to try for the connection. Yeah, well, I made the call to play, but to do a type of scene that was more about just energy exchange and like energy work and connection. Um, nothing like super sadistic or heavy or anything like that. Yeah, and the scene was really important to me. I like looking back on it, I still find it to be critical that we chose to make the connection that we did because we did have connection. It was a very short scene. I think it must have only lasted for like 20, 25 minutes. I don't know. I think you said maybe longer, but yeah, I remember I think being it was a brief. longer, but I cried. It's weird when you're bottoming. <laughs> yeah. I, I cried for part of the scene. You know, I I was emotional and I wasn't in pain, you know, physically, right? And it was really hard. Um, I would not say that the scene went well, nor would I say they went badly. It was not a typical scene for us. It was not about the scene. It was about the connection between us. It was about having physical touch. It was about creating space for me to cry. I would say to some degree the scene had catharsis in it, but a lot of it was, it was almost like having her look at a bruise on me and touching it gingerly. And like, that was what the scene felt like. And we got to a point where I was just so exhausted that we stopped. It was not even her necessarily. I had to call that that scene and she was immediately understanding. But that's an example of like, we've been together for six years and the scene, again, it was, it's not by, by any means my favorite scene we've ever had. Right. I remember feeling afterwards, like I had failed as the bottom that I couldn't show up that I couldn't give more or receive more. Um, and that really isn't a fair reading of that. I, I I went in and we tried, but I was not well. And and if she weren't who she is, I, I wouldn't have even done the scene at all. Well, and, and that's the piece I talked about earlier, which I, I hope helps with the listener's question about the guilt feelings, which is, you know, if you had just pushed through that scene and not told me and I found out later that you just felt horrible but did it for me that that feels really shitty to me as a top and so I was of course 100 percent understanding when you were like I think I need to call it it's like absolutely like I if you we need, if we need to call it then good like thank you for letting me know thank you for holding your boundary like these are words that you can also use in those moments where somebody is quote-unquote rejecting uh something to just say you know what thank you for holding your boundaries or thank you for being honest with me um, because that's what they're doing and it's not easy and so the feelings of guilt for calling a scene, um, I I would hope that what whoever the top was that you were playing with, dear listener, um, that they also would feel the same way in terms of appreciating you calling that scene rather than the alternative. I think it's interesting when we feel guilt about things like this because – like I said, I, I felt guilt not being able to show up for the scene with my dominant. And I think for me, some of that came from the fact that it it's so hard to scene with her because we don't get to scene very often. We, you know, we play with other people way more than we play with each other at this point, which makes sense, right? Like it's not like a point of contention or a problem. In fact, it's a blessing. It's wonderful to have access to other play partners. Um, but one of our goals is to always put one scene a month on on, on the books for ourselves so it's totally a loss when we finally get to that point where we get our one chance and for some reason we can't 
right? So there's this feeling of like guilt over like, I don't know if the listener also experienced this, but like, I'm sure it's challenging to set a play with somebody too. Like there's always, it's always hard to meet somebody in person to do something, right? And that takes planning and it takes, it takes negotiation, especially if this is the first time after a while. Like I understand that feeling of loss when a scene doesn't go well. Um, but when I'll look at it for myself, cause I don't want to speak to the listener's experience, but when I think about it, I challenge myself, why should I feel guilty for not being emotionally capable of being vulnerable in a scene with my dominant because I'm hurting, because well, I have grief, I have pain. Like, why should I feel guilty for that? Well, and what do I always tell you about guilt? Guilt schmilt. No. <laughs> guilt schmilt. You know what I say. Guilt is for when you have bad intentions no done something wrong done something wrong oh my god <laughs> clearly i need to say it more yeah but guilt so yeah guilt guilt is about i've done something wrong and i feel guilty yeah calling a scene holding boundaries taking care of yourself these are all things you're that that's not doing anything wrong that's doing everything right and it's communicating with your top with your bottom whoever it is you're playing with it's it's being open and honest and vulnerable with them. And that is not wrong. Yeah. These noises. Fuck. This is like, I'm like a Muppet trying to deliver a podcast on a serious topic. I was going to say that the thing that I often struggle with with guilt is looking at the outcome based on the thing that I did or didn't do and blaming myself for the outcome and feeling guilty over that. And maybe, oh, let me finish what I'm saying. So um, she took a deep breath and tried to lean into the microphone. I saw it right from the corner of my eye. So what I mean by that is like the outcome of having to call a scene, it stops. It's not as long as you thought it would be. It didn't go well, right? Um, Maybe the other person is disappointed or feels rejected. I want to stop you right there and say this. It wasn't going well before you called it. Why should you have to be the one to hold the discomfort and the unhappiness? How is it going well if you're not happy and you don't feel good and the other person does feel good? Why is our comfort and our happiness less important than other people's? It already wasn't going well. What's worse, having a short scene that didn't go well or a long scene that didn't go well, right? Like, yes, situationally, you had to call it, but it's not your decision, decision. <laughs> it's not your decision or your choice for it not to go well. You're not sitting there going, I can't wait to get there so that I can have a shitty time and call the fucking scene. <laughs> like, you're not trying to have a bad time. Quite the opposite. And that's what really the feeling is, I think, is disappointment transformed into guilt because by speaking our discomfort, we think we caused something, but really what we're doing is acknowledging something that was already there. That's the good. other you person said exactly what I was going to say. Oh, the other person <laughs> can't see it. They can't feel it, but we can. It's our responsibility to ourselves. First, them second, to tell them, I'm not okay. This doesn't feel good. I need this to stop. And that's not something that results in failure. It's just you acknowledging that something is off. And so I think we have to disconnect from our minds that the cause of us stating our need or our boundary, um, sorry, that the, the cause, result. that the result, yeah, that the result of us stating our need and our boundary is something that we did 
that we could have stopped from happening if only we held our discomfort back in a little longer, right? Like that is toxic thinking. And quite frankly, for many of us, we were programmed from youth, especially if we're female bodied, to do that very thing. We will be uncomfortable so that no one else around us is uncomfortable. We have to deprogram that in ourselves because our comfort, our happiness, our bodily autonomy matters. Yeah, I was going to say when you said, you know, it's it, it was more that I feel guilty of what results from it and remembering that disappointment is different than guilt. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, to me, it's a positive, right? It's kind of like a relationship that breaks up and you go, oh, well, that relationship failed. Well, no. <laughs> It maybe was a successful relationship and part of that success was realizing that it didn't need to continue. Is it better to stay in that relationship that sucks for longer so that you can say, well, it lasted, so it was successful? No, that, <laughs> that's not good. Um, so, you know, length of time, how long a scene goes does not equal success, especially if if one or both of you are not happy yeah we hope that this helped kind of answer the question um it's a really interesting topic of like how do you recover when when a scene doesn't go very well and i think um depending on the situation there are a couple of things you can do that i wanted to end on you can decide depending on your position in the scene whether you are the top or the bottom to have a transparent conversation with that person about your experience and i i have found that bottoms and tops that I play with want to talk about the experience afterwards. Um, you can also choose, depending on whether or not that was a first scene and an only scene, how much you need to share um, with the person beyond making sure they're well and making sure you're okay. Um, I think generally speaking, transparency is best, but I, I think it, it kind of depends on the situation, how much needs to be said. Um, depending on the relationship you're building with that person or not building with that person. If you're just not compatible with the person and you know that you aren't a good fit for them and you discover that in a scene, you don't necessarily have to go in depth with that person and be like, here's all the things about the way that we played that didn't feel like they matched. Unless the person wants to have that conversation, you can simply say, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, and if they come back and they want to play again and say, you know what, I, I think that we, I, I, I don't like the way that the energy went last time personally for me, it just, it wasn't quite a good match and I would not like to play again. Like that's the way you can handle that if you're not looking to build a relationship with somebody. Right. But if the energy was off just in a moment, you should talk about that. I think. Well, yeah. And I've had, I had a time, God, I don't know how many years ago, long, long, long time ago. Um, and I was bottoming for a scene and the energy was just flat. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was flat Stanley. No, sorry. That's a, <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a yeah. flat line sound. Well, yeah, it was, it was just a really flat energy. Um, and we had, you know, we'd been in the kind, we had the kind of friendship or relationship, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, we knew we were probably going to try to play again. And so... And I was the bottom in that scene. And I said, you know, um, I said the energy just, it, it felt kind of flat. I probably used that word at the time. Um, and disconnected. And I made a suggestion. Like I suggested and I said. Can you try using a silly voice next no. time? 
no god no i said you know can we play again but not use any implements because the disconnect that i felt i thought well if if this person doesn't use any implements and they have to focus on hands-on and me and creativity and things like that maybe the energy will be different and thankfully I was right and they agreed first of all I mean the top is you know (laughs) taking the bottom's advice and saying okay which it was cool um but we played again and didn't use implements and the energy was much better so it you know just because the energy is off it really greatly depends on why is the energy off is it your kinks are off and like it's just like not it doesn't match up um or is it your own headspace you know you normally have a great time but you're just having a really crappy day um or is it just that particular scene was a little wonky and you want to try something different so you got to kind of figure out what category is this in yeah Well, this is all the advice that we have for you today on this particular topic, but we wanted to wrap up the end here with what we said we would, which is some of our New Year's resolutions and some information about the podcast. Don't go anywhere, please. Because Sit back down. Turn it back up. Turn it up and tune <laughs> in because we're about to give you some really cool stuff. So first of all, my New Year's resolutions. Um, I am looking next year to really, really work on boundary setting. I have fucking heard a million people talk about, I'm learning to set boundaries. And like, it sounds really good. When you get into a point in your life where you realize that you thought you were okay at setting boundaries and you find out that you're not great at it at all, that's alarming. And for me, that's something that I realized this year was I'm okay with certain types of boundary setting, but I'm really uncomfortable with conflict and I really try to avoid discomfort in every direction and I hold discomfort in myself so others might not have to feel it. Just what we were talking about in this podcast, I have been doing that for my entire life, realized it this year in multiple like settings and understood that I now have to start to learn to assert boundaries for the benefit of myself and for other people. So one of the big things that I'm doing next year is boundary setting and part of that is acknowledging unhappiness discomfort or when something is just not benefiting my life and causing damage or harm or just honestly unhappiness loss of energy right loss of time another thing that I'm working on is focusing on people in my life that are really there for who I am that I can be vulnerable with I'm interested in building real relationships that are lasting and deep, and I'd rather have a few of those than a bunch of people I don't know very well who are friendly to me but who don't know me well. What are your New Year's resumes? Um, I was not prepared. I did not realize New we were Year's talking resis. about <laughs> another year survived. That nope. <laughs> you cannot just be like I'm just clinging on for dear life for the rest of my life. Yeah, something. You say one positive thing you want to you want to improve or something. My thing is probably going to be reach out for help. I'm not great at reaching out for help. Why do you have a look? The fact that your resolution is call for help makes me feel really terrible. No, don't take it like that. No, but I mean, it kind of goes along with your with your resolution of the like deeper relationships. Like, yes, I I realized this past year, actually, you were a big part of showing me like, hey, let's create these teams to have more support, you know, for, for our work and things like that. And I had, you know, 
for eight years, I'd never done that. I'd just done everything myself. And it's not easy for me to, to reach out for help. And I know it's a different situation, but like creating, you know, the case for kinky team, the, the lost and found events team, like doing that and, and leaning on other people in a work sense was huge. It was a huge shift for me. And so in this case, it's kind of just an extension of that where I'm looking at probably needing to lean on people a little bit more. And that's okay because we do have some really wonderful people in our life and who want to help and who want to to be there for us. Bring, and bring, bring, bring. Hi, this is Jen. Eden's driving me fucking insane. Get over here. She's demanding All right, who wants to babysit? I got to get out. <laughs> She wants to be read to, and I've already done like seven children's books, and she will not stop. And every time I try to get out, she goes, "Ow, my leg!" And then she, it, I just can't. Oh leave. my god! Guilty, guilty. So that's that's a reference to the vaccine shot. Yes. <laughs> After she got her vaccine, and you know your arm hurts, and for like six, well, to this day, you'll still pull it out occasionally, and I'll tell you to do something or whatever. You're in trouble for something, and you're like, "Ow, my vaccine doesn't work." doesn't work it did for three days so now you know ow my legs no that actually is gonna be valid too well, like they really yeah, will be in pain. they I'll hurt know, right now i'll know when it's no longer valid <laughs> anyway so that is part of my resolution though is to continue that focus of remembering that i don't need to do everything by myself and knowing that we have you know wonderful friends um and people who do want to be there for us and help and not to feel badly for asking for help um and trying to to be better about that because i'm not great at it um but you're gonna get better and it's gonna I'm be gonna, amazing i'm gonna work on being better about that yeah. for sure um i'm also going to pet the cats more good get that um, serotonin yeah. As Miss Jen is working on asking for help and I am working on setting boundaries, we arrive at season three of Case for Kinky. And you will be pleased to hear there's for sure going to be a season three. The reason I say that, I sounded sarcastic. Um, you should, we're, we're very pleased to announce there'll be a season three. They're that, like, was there not going to be? They're, well, they're very confused right now. <laughs> there was a possibility that we may discontinue the podcast because the stress of having to produce an episode every single week has taken a huge toll more so on me than on Miss Jen because I'm the person who edits these episodes and the amount of time and energy it takes to continue to do this is just a lot um so we talked about it and we tried to figure out how can we make the podcast more sustainable especially considering the fact that we love our patrons y'all are amazing but there's not a ton of you which is okay and and we aren't doing this for the money and we also need to have the podcast schedule reflect the fact that we are not doing this for money. We are not being paid for our time and our energy. We are doing this because it is fun for us and because we really care about our listeners, which we're building a following. You know, the podcast is growing and we're really grateful that so many people tune in. We want to be able to continue to offer you this content within reason. And right now, once a week, it's just not reasonable for me. And this is a boundary for me, having to learn where does the podcast fit in our life in a way where it doesn't burn me out. And so this is the solution that we come, came up with. And um, next season, you will be finding fewer episodes 
with what we hope is the strongest possible content. You'll be getting one episode a month that is an interview dropped on the final Wednesday of each month. You'll be getting one episode a quarter that is meaty, meaty, researched, um, and the normal content that you're used to, us talking back and forth, right? But you're sitting there wondering, whoa, only 16 episodes after 50 episodes from next season? I don't know, man. I think I need more case for Kinky. And you know what? We have already anticipated that, and we have a solution for you. In fact, we have a call to action, which ties into Miss Jen's uh, resolution, which is to ask for help. One of the reasons that we are only doing four planned quarterly episodes is because we are at a point where we have covered so many topics, most of which we have designed ourselves, and we now are relying on you, the listener, to submit questions for us to interact with. So that is right. You heard me correctly. Not only are we asking for your help, but you have an opportunity to control the number of episodes that we release next season because we will be producing episodes based on listener requests. If you want more than 16 episodes next season, get onto that computer, type in our email, kaysforkinkyje at gmail.com, and send us the question that you want us to cover on this podcast. If you do that, I guarantee you, you're going to hear your question, unless it's an inappropriate one, in which case you will not hear it. And we will actually say, that was a weird question. No, we, we won't I mean, if it's you. really inappropriate, then uh, never mind. What, what were you going to say? <laughs> where, what, where does that go? It's almost a sure thing that your question will be covered because we are a small podcast, right? Um, we want to interact with our listeners. So please submit. Uh, and hopefully say something more after please submit please submit to us (laughs) please submit your questions um, and hopefully we will not have a 16 episode season but more like a 30 episode season because as you guys do that we'll produce as needed we love knowing that the content that we produce is directly related to the things that our listeners want to hear so that's where we're going with this yeah it will be kind of a half and half Stuff that we decide and half community-based. Also important to note is that we will be restructuring our Patreon just a little bit because a lot of our patrons are not really interacting with the content we create, which is cool. Like, I mean, our bloopers are funny and our hot takes have been funny, but we get it. That's, you know, you're not here for those. You're here for the podcast and you're here to offer financial support because you just feel like it, right? (laughs) If that's where you're at, we love you. We hope that's right. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to be changing some of our Patreon. Take a look at that. Um, In January, you'll see the shift. Um, We totally welcome you to join our Patreon. We would love to have your support there. But we care more about those listener questions because, frankly, we don't make a ton off Patreon. And that's not why we're here. We want to we want to narrow down all of our stuff to to what really matters and and to what y'all want to chew on. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to KS for Kinky. If you are a regular listener, you guys are the backbone of our fan base. If you want to have more KS for Kinky in the interim as you're waiting for our first January drop, join our Discord server. It's free, and if you don't want it to be free and you want to have extra stuff, you can become a lurking kinkling. Basically, if you want to open up more channels on the Discord, then there will still be access based on Patreon tiers. Yeah, but, but a most of it's huge free. Chunk, a huge chunk of yeah. it is free. And that way you can tie yourself over between episodes. We love you. Happy ho-ho holidays. Calling everybody a ho. Yeah. And remember to honor yourself, honor your needs, honor your boundaries. Stay tuned and have a wonderful rest of 2023. Be well, precious kinklings. Bye. Bye. Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) Oh, my God.
sorry. She she gets cute, and then she's like, I'm yeah. not cute. I'm tough. All right, anyway.